It's probably safe to say that composer Stephen Paulus had an intimate encounter with this poem by Carl Sandburg, number 16, known as Hope is a Tattered Flag. Maybe as he spoke the opening lines aloud to himself, hope is a tattered flag, a dream of time. Hope is a heart-spun word. Paulus may have heard these lines as responses to an unasked question. Hope is, hope is, the poet muses, and gives us a catalogue of examples. And so maybe it felt right to Stephen Paulus that he opened the work with a rather haunting, searching, instrumental introduction, a kind of questioning, and he knew he wanted the cello there to help evoke that mood, to help us feel something of the disconcerting atmosphere of the troubled times. The cellist is Loretta O'Sullivan, and she is singing here even before the actual voices of the chorus are heard. Loretta is, of course, following the score. She's aware of the conductor's vision of the piece. She's breathing with her colleagues, and yet she's able to collaborate with the others in bringing her own voice to the mix, a voice expressed through the handsome instrument her dear cello, that's become an extension of her very self over the years. And when Carl Sandburg cites bird singing as a sign of hope, it's the cello heralding the celebration of the bird song as Paulus heard it. Recently, Loretta O'Sullivan has brought all of her creative self into a celebration of the singing of birds, birds in poetry, the poems of Francine Ringgold, creating a sweet-like work titled Bird Songs. It's as if Loretta has taken in Francine's piece, The Way I See Now, and danced the gift of the poem into music, each of these poems. Bird Songs, the piece bird songs, the creative process, there's somehow an expression of hope in these trying times. Francine Leffler Ringgold served two terms as Poet Laureate of Oklahoma, and she was the 2003 winner of the Writer Who Makes a Difference Award from the Writer magazine. She edited and championed Nimrod International Journal and taught literature and theater at the University of Tulsa, for over 47 years. Her books of poetry include the award-winning volumes, The Trouble with Voices, Still Dancing, and Dog Days, A Way of Speaking. And most recently, The Way We See Now, 
a collaboration of photography and poetry with Sam Joyner. Loretta O'Sullivan has played with many of this country's leading ensembles and orchestras. She performs frequently with the Orchestra of St. Luke's, and she's a longtime member of the Four Nations Ensemble, a chamber group that was in residence here in the Wyoming Valley for a number of seasons. We know her well as principal cellist of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem Bach Festival Orchestra, whose recording we've been hearing. We had a chance yesterday to feature an interview with poet Francine Ringold on Art Scene, and today we have a chance to speak with Loretta O'Sullivan about their collaboration, Bird Songs, and how it all came together. I've known Francine for a long time. She is my husband's stepmother, and so we visited over the years. Evan's father and Fran were living in Oklahoma when we first met, and they would come to New York, and we would meet up and talk then. But the most recent visit was about three years ago when my husband Evan and I went out to California to visit Fran, and we had a, a wonderful visit. I got to meet Pete the dog. <laughs> I had known Pete before, but uh, a little bit better. I took walks with Fran and with Pete, and we, you know, we got to talking. And I mentioned even at that time that I was interested in setting poetry to music. And Fran talked about how she loves collaboration. And last year, when I was working on the haiku poems, I sent those to Fran, and she said, you know, try one of mine. And I had remembered the poem The Way I See Now, because when I visited Fran, that book was in the room where we were staying, so I read that poem, and I really loved it. So that was the first poem that I worked on. And I sent over the music to Fran, and uh, she said, do another. So that kind of spurred me on to do the next six poems. Let's take that poem, for example. Something Mm -hmm. resonated with you. Are you someone who, just in general, has music in your soul when you are in a situation of beauty, for example, or when you're reading Is that part of your response to the world, or do you wait until you've got your cello in hand? (laughs) Well, you know, I I think I've always had this, this idea of seeing things in a musical way, you know, and I think of some games that I played with one of my grandchildren where it seems like a very natural thing, you know, talk about, let's do something scary and then play something scary and you know, that there will be words that sort of, to me, can lead immediately into a musical idea. So that's why it seems that, that poetry works so well. There were, for instance, in the way I see now, there were some words and images that just lent themselves to um, a musical mirroring, like the fact that there's this bird that the poet, the woman is asleep, and there's this bird sound that keeps waking her up. 
So, you know, the idea of this bird sound, and later on in the poem, uh, we find out that the bird sound is a smoke detector that's that's going off, and it has this, you know, this ring to it. So, um, so I interjected that into various parts of the poem in sort of light ways, and then when it becomes more disturbing, that that ring tone would come in a more disturbing way. And you do a lot of Baroque music, and Baroque music mm-hmm. like Couperin and those folks, there was an awful lot of that kind of tone painting or musical imitation in the Baroque, and obviously all through history. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of um, experience with that, and, you know, it's it's very delightful to hear those pieces and to realize, yeah, it sounds like a bunch of birds. <laughs> so. And yet, it's not just that, because there's no gimmick here. The peep is a smoke detector, and that's amusing. But she goes beyond that. I think that poem is, I would love to hear how, how Fran described it, but for me, it's it's sort of a journey. It begins sort of like there's the person's trying to sleep, and there's this slight disturbance. And then as the poem goes on, that disturbance becomes much richer, and the bird actually becomes kind of a messenger. And that messenger is has to do with, you know, poetry or how powerful poetry can be or a life force that's really powerful. So I think that poem has a lot of depth to it. In our conversation, when I asked her about the importance of poetry for her, she defined the poem as a gift. So that poem, Mm -hmm. this is my gift and I give it to you and you can take it out to the sweet gum tree. Is it different with each poem? Do you simmer in it? Do you read over and over? How do you come to the sense where you know you can feel it when you've internalized them? I spent I spent a lot of time on them and loved spending that time on them. The next three poems that I worked on were the We Three poems. So there's three women who are in, you know, maybe it's a nursing home or maybe it's a senior home, and... The title, We Three, comes from um, a song in 1939, which I, I listened to, and it's a very poignant song about we three are all alone living in our memories. And so for those three poems, they're like portraits of each of these women. I used sort of snippets of that original song in 1939, and it kind of reminded me of uh, my grandfather, who used to sing songs like that. And so, you know, I had a sort of nostalgic feel about it. So I took, for instance, in the original song, there were, you know, certain chord progressions that I, I took, or, or parts of the way the melody went that I took, and then I kind of improvised from there, kind of like what a jazz player would do. And there is a sequence where we learn... Well, she's wedded to the bathroom. (laughs) I wonder how you thought about that, because you don't want to break the spell, but you've got to deal with the bathroom. Right. Well, what I did there was I ended the cadences of da-yum, da-da. I ended, (laughs) I made those the way I ended the phrase, so that's that little snippet of, you know, the wedding song, Here Comes the Bride. So, 
that's the way I got in the words for wedding. And that particular poem, Annie's Place, is a very, I, I think, in my mind, she's one of the more happy of the three women in that she's just out there complaining, you know, (laughs) somebody has taken her chair she wants that chair and she's, but she also goes into this fantasy of, of who her lovers could be. And that includes Walter Cronkite and um, Thomas Jefferson. So, I mean, I, I found the poem both, you know, humorous and sad at the same time. We also talked about the fact that her poems are deceptively simple, that you might Mm -hmm. think, oh, here are poems about Pete the dog, and isn't that sweet (laughs) that Pete is in the spill of light and cozy? But the words are pain, there's tears, breaking of Mm -hmm. the ice, and those sorts of things, and you read them over and over, and you find, no, no, there's much more here than that. And Francine went on to say she had in her heart her husband and his passing, and Mm -hmm. uh, you do an exquisite job of taking us places where we might not go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love those poems. even the one, you know, the sun dog poem, you know, he cozies into the light. So for that, I, I just pictured these dogs that when they, they go in a circle before they lay down. So I sort of made a, you know, a circular kind of music where things are spinning a little bit. And then he settles down. But then later on, the, the last words of the poem, which, which really struck me, is that Fran, let's say that's the other character, is watching Pete sleep, uh, drifting above the pain of the world, not asking to leave it. And that's quite, that's quite painful. <laughs> so what I did there, even though it was, I, I thought of that one as a, like a, a song with stanzas, I tried to unwind it at the end and leave it a little bit on the lonely you know, a little bit on the maybe questioning at the end, you know, like this, this story isn't finished, so, something like that. She praised very much your rendering of her poems, your readings, mm-hmm. and she said she loves to read her poems herself, but that this was mm-hmm. an important experience for her. Mm. What about that aspect of this collaboration? Because it isn't just that you're reading the poems so that you can get on with the music. It's all part of creating something larger. Yeah, well, it's a little scary saying somebody else's poems. <laughs> well, one thing is that in saying the words, saying the words, it, it sort of cemented in my mind a little bit more what I would do musically. So that was important. Even if somebody else were to read the poems, I would have read them myself just so that I could really get those, you know, the the sound of the words in my mind and have spoken them out loud. But as I did with the musical excerpts, I recorded them several times and, and learned a lot. You know, just the way that my voice would turn at a certain point I would I would think oh that's too much or that's you know that's not enough or that that's not the right tone, and so I did work with the speaking a lot because of the technical aspects I, I sort of grew a little bit in technology so I ended up recording the speaking of the poems again 
and one particular mic. So I just recorded all the speaking at one time. I'll say one thing, like in Annie's place, after she's finishing complaining, she says, I'd like the television moved to the right. I think it's something like, I'd like the television moved to the right and a table for my water. And the way I put it as a question mark, just all of a sudden that she's very vulnerable, you know. So I tried to do that in my speaking. There's a lovely arc, there's a lovely flow in the way you've arranged your choices of poems. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, there were so many aspects of putting this together that were really fun and creative. I, I worked with my husband quite a bit on on the format, you know, the visual format, and it was Fran's idea to do the video of my playing. At first, we didn't have that, and then I added that later on, and I think it really added a lot to see, as as Fran was saying, you know, she she has a, a background of dance and, and motion. I think her art is very connected to motion, so I'm glad we were able to do that. Have you and Francine had any kind of conversation of any depth about what has come out of this in terms of your reaction, her reaction, or do you let the project speak for itself? Mm. I, I think we were both delighted with the with the outcome. We were discussing ways to possibly, you know, do it as a as a public thing where I could play live. You know, <laughs> either I would recite the poems or Fran would recite the poems, and then and then I would play the excerpts live. So that's one idea that we had. But we haven't talked in, in too much detail about where it would go from here. I'm so, I'm so happy that you're going to play it. Esteemed cellist Loretta O'Sullivan. We know her as principal cellist of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem Bach Festival Orchestra. She has been speaking with us about her collaboration with award-winning poet Francine Ringgold on a project titled Bird Songs, poems of Francine's read by Loretta and interpreted through improvisations for solo cello. There is a video performance of Bird Songs on YouTube. Search for Bird Songs, poems by Francine Ringgold, R-I-N-G-O-L-D, if you'd like to experience the full power of the piece. We were able to feature an interview with Francine yesterday on Art Scene about the project, and you can find that on the WVIA website, wvia.org, under Art Scene. And for more information generally, loscello.com, loretta o'sullivan cello.com, so loscello.com. <laughs>